Hello everyone and welcome back to the seventh episode of the Hall 115 Yards Women's Football Podcast. Today is the final of our World Cup segment because as we know last week, I can't believe it, it was the final, which we will discuss in a lot of detail. Joining me as always is the lovely Lindsay. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Now, have we recovered from the heartbreak? Are you ready to get straight into it? Um, have I recovered? Um, no. Um, will I ever recover? Probably not. Um, but I am ready to jump into it this week, so let's go. Perfect. Let's go. Okay, now looking back at our predictions, they seem a bit silly now, don't they? Because we both went, ah, oh, both teams are on fantastic goal scoring, you know, they're in their element, there's going to be goals. I think I said 4-3, I think you said 3-2. Yeah. Um, so 1-0. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, there was a goal, you know, that counts, right? Um, so yeah, completely different to what we predicted, but looking at the quality of the football, I mean, that that scoreline kind of reflects it, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Now, let's talk about it then. So I went to um, a wedding the day before and we got up early on the Sunday. We had breakfast early and then we found a sports bar in the middle of Lincolnshire in this really old Georgian market town where we didn't think anywhere would be open at all because remember it was a Sunday and we were the first ones there to save the seats and a couple of couple more people turned up we were like oh, okay you know there'll be a couple of us i remember turning round just before the whistle blew uh, for kickoff and the place was full and it's not like box park wembley it's not you know anywhere you'd expect in those kind of cities and i did a little tiktok video about it but the fact that it's attracting so many people in little villages and more rural communities. I mean, that's got to be such a positive, hasn't it, for women's football all over the world, not just in England. Yeah, if we think about it, like a few years ago, like even even when we were at uni, when we were trying to find the Women's World Cup, um, Champions League, like trying to find it was really difficult. You could find the men's games and you could get live streams or pirate streams or whatever um, from, which we don't recommend, obviously. Um, you can like trying to find those games online but like trying to get the women's content it wasn't possible i think one year it was possibly on the red button but it was really hard to get and we were doing really well in those tournaments and it was just like the women are doing way better than the men yet we're not even giving them airtime, and that would really make a big difference to them and appreciate logistics wouldn't have been possible like for some some of the games but you know, they still could have done highlights or something and there just wasn't anything at all, even on YouTube. And then we look at it now and it's like TikTok, Instagram, social media. And it's just great for visibility of the sport. Um, and also, we'll come on touch on it later, but the fact that, you know, you're seeing people walking around with women's names on the backs of their shirts. And it's little things like that that really show how far this game has come and how rapid the evolution has been. Yeah, absolutely. I could have said it better. Like we were even waiting outside uh, the bar before it opened, and a little old lady walked past, and you could see her kind of looking. And we were like, "Morning," and she went, "Oh, are they showing the match later?" And we were like, "Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, they are. They're opening." She was like, "Right, I'll be back," and she was just out for a dog walk. Saw us and went, "Right, okay, yeah, I'll do that." 
but the fact that people knew about it because like you said before it wouldn't even get the airtime it wouldn't get you know any press whatsoever you'd have to be in the know to know you know it was even happening so the fact that people from all walks of life are talking about it watching it is just phenomenal so let's talk about starting lineups so there was the question of whether LJ should start, would start. Are we happy it was the right decision that she didn't start? Yeah, I think playing LJ against a team that's very attacking minded, um, you need to bring her on as a super sub because like Farrah Williams has said, like, what do we have to bring on from the bench? When we um when we did the Euros, we had Blessie, we had Tooney, we had Chloe Kelly that we could bring on from the bench that were different. We had Beth England. Who do we have now? We we don't have anything that's tactically different. We have more of the same, but nothing tactically different. So to have Tooney in there playing that role that she likes, knowing full well that they double up on Kira and, and, and play it, mark her out of the game, it would allow Tooney to play that creative role, which she loves and she she does so well and then once they're all tiring bring lj on because we know we're going for the long game lj in for a screamer or to really challenge and see where the gaps are and then say right play in this part of the field it might not be where you normally play but play a bit deeper play a bit further up front play a bit further in or you know make these runs or make that run uh play with chloe like this or play with leslie like that you know and it would work but um, I think it was definitely the right decision. Yeah, definitely. Because we've said before, anyway. LJ's game and how she plays best is as a super sub when she's got the time to be able to do all of her wonderful tricks and things like that. So if she starts from, well, the start, as we've seen, when she gets found out by players, kind of the effect, it, it loses the effect, doesn't it? So, so yeah, so I was really happy Tooney still got a start because I think as well emotionally, it was better for her and her confidence because she knew Serena was choosing her and had that trust in it. It wasn't a, oh, well, LJ is back, off you yeah. go, see you later. It was a, no, no, I, I trust you in this role. I trust you to start, which I think was brilliant. Um, a really good decision. Because she has been there on confidence, hasn't she? So it's great yeah. to see. And I think she deserved that. She really worked hard for it. And I think it would have been unfair to take her out now LJ was back. I think it was definitely, I know I, I'll get a lot of criticism for saying it, but I think it was the right decision. No, and I think um, a lot of people are with us, to be fair. Um, they've all said, you know, kind of Tooney earned it. It was, you know, whether morally, ethically, emotionally, however you wanted to say it. At the end of the day, Tooney deserved a place, didn't she? Um, and LJ, well, we'll talk about her coming on later in the second half when she did, but, but yeah, but she did have an impact to a certain extent. So in that case, that plan did did work um now in the first half then overall spin would just their quality was just through the roof wasn't it it we didn't play our best football i think we can all kind of agree on that um but there was a moment where our lovely rachel daly had a lovely link up with lauren hemp and the shot just hit the crossbar didn't it but it was hope and it was that glimmer. Um, so yeah. how did you feel the match could have gone from that moment that that chance has kind of gone in? I think if that had gone in, it would have been a very different mm. game. Um, it would have completely changed the dynamics of 
the the, the way that it was played um, and it would have shook, um, shocked Spain because Spain would have been like, hang on a minute, we've conceded when they've gone for so many minutes without conceding. I think it would have really brought it home to them. England are here to, you know, fight, but it could have made them more hungry, but they, they, were, hung they were more hungry for it than we were. And that was a difference. I think there were a lot of tired legs out there for us. Mm. Um, and it was just the end of a very long season with extra time, penalties, and it was just just one step too far. And I think concentration levels weren't there. And where we clicked in the last game, we did so well. And then it came to this game and we just didn't didn't click as well as we normally do. And it might have been occasion, it might have been pressure, because when we saw them lining up to come out, you could see the stress on their faces. And it, I, I'm not sure what it was, but the better team won at the end. But I think if that goal had gone in, then it would have been, like we said, a 3-2 rather than a 1-0. And when it hit the crossbar, I was like, oh, it's not our day. And also, you know, this is going to be a 90 minutes, 120 minutes game rather than just over and done within the first 50 or 60 minutes like previously has happened when America have been playing in the final. Yeah, because um, we were <laughs> texting while we are watching it and we are just thinking this, we knew it wasn't going to be easy, but it was, I think I held my breath for the whole time. Like it was, I've said before, you know, oh, that game felt like a final, this game felt like a final, but my God, yeah, this was, if you, if you want, a good final. I mean, this had everything, didn't it? It had the drama, it had the injuries, were, you know, we had the penalties, we had yellow cards, we had everything, all of which are coming up. So please don't worry. Now, so that was in the 15th minute, that attempt on goal. And there were a couple of shots at either end, nothing too promising. And then in the 29th minute, Lucy Bronze, who we love, we are going to preface this by saying that we love her she you could tell she was getting frustrated they they all were like we said because they just wanted to put in their best show if you know this is their best chance of winning it we all said it and lucy of course wanted it to complete her trophy cabinet we were all willing her to do it now lucy's ran forward with the ball she she looks up and you can see she's gone right i've got to pass it over there there's some space over there but then the red shirts just descended didn't they and they just completely collared her got the ball and because she's then ran into the middle there's then a gap isn't there and spin nor yeah. that so olga carmona is down that wing and she's got no one on her and as much as jess carter can get back she's got pierce she just didn't they just couldn't get her could they um for that shot so looking at it statistically and kind of tactically, should I say, not statistically, um, rather than emotionally, should what should Lucy have done in that situation? Could she have got out of it? I don't think so. Um, the problem is both her and Kira playing for Barca, like we were saying before we started the pod, the Spanish know them really well. They know that Lucy likes to go wondering, and that's a role she plays at Barcelona. And... Serena started playing him in that role, but that what they didn't realise was, England didn't realise, is they need to fill that gap. And when you're playing against a team that 
is outwardly attacking and wins goals, uh, wins games by scoring lots of goals. It doesn't matter if they can see because they've already scored 10. Um, when you're playing against that kind of team, you can't afford to leave those gaps. And they left those gaps and got punished. And it's happened before and we haven't been punished. But against the Spanish that are deadly, you can't afford to do that. Was she the right thing to take the ball forward into the space? I think if it was me, I probably would have made the same decision. Um, but, you know, it can't all be on Lucy because there were other people in the game that went out of position, took the ball forward and lost it. It's just that where she lost it was such a crucial part of the pitch at that point in the game that allowed and enabled the Spanish to go on the attack. Whereas if she lost it like 10 yards into the other half of the pitch, then it would have potentially not been as deadly. So it's just unfortunate, really. I, I'm not blaming Lucy for that goal because it's not her fault. There are plenty of players that had that are between her and Mary. And Mary, if she'd been one step to her right, I think it was, she would have got a hand to that because she wasn't wasn't that far away from it. People are always jumping on Lucy because she goes wondering, and we know that, you know, you can't blame it all on her at all. No, and I didn't even think to blame her at, at all. I was just watching it and I was like, oh, they've got the ball. And then when I saw it all come out, like, oh, Lucy, you know, ran in this position and gave it away and it's her fault. And I was like, hang on, exactly what you said. It wasn't just Lucy and Mary and the goal. Like, there was all of the defenders, all of midfield, like everyone tried to get back. And yes, the gap was an error, but at the end of the day, it, it's a team sport, isn't it? And yeah, Lucy would take it and she was heartbroken at the end, wasn't she? Because but... Rachel Daly's did it in that game when we did the pod and we said, where is Rachel playing? Rachel was doing it. So it's not like yeah. it's it's unique to Lucy. It's it's that that style of play and playing her in that position, that's the risk you take. And sometimes it pays off and sometimes it doesn't. And last week it's a world final you've you've got to take risks you've got to move with the ball and that's exactly what lucy did wasn't it because we'd said didn't we that maybe the spanish defense was something that we could maybe exploit because it hadn't been that solid but actually they did a pretty good job didn't they they seemed to really tighten up for the final yeah and also i don't think we were that attacking and we knew that they would have bulk of possession, so everything we did would be on the counter. Mm. So I think we weren't as clinical as we could have been. If we'd have been clinical, then we would have put away a chance and it could have been 1-1. So I think some of their success is down to our errors, which have plagued us all tournament scoring goals. We've won 1-0, we've won 2-0. You know, we haven't been banging them in like 7-0 like the Spanish have, and because of that, it's been our own downfall. And that's something we need to address, and that is, are we using Lessie effectively? Are we using Beth England effectively? Or are we bringing her on with three minutes to play, expecting her to perform miracles, which poor girl can't? And are we, you know, are we playing Kobe Kelly? Are we, are we playing Lauren James? Who are we playing up front? Because who who is that number nine? Um, do we need Rachel Daly? That's the question. Do do we need to put Rachel in that position and change our defence to midfield to accommodate the fact that we need Rachel up front? So 
But that's the thing, because Rich was given the number nine shirt, but actually, how many times did you actually play as a nine? Exactly. A couple of minutes. Um, yeah, it, it was a strange one because she, we know Rich is great in defense. We know that, which is why Serena's put her there, but I'm sure, my Leticia, if she'd been picked, Rich, yeah, like, Rich could have been pushed up front and we know how much and how hard she attacks and she was so hungry for it um, that when it came to halftime, um, because we were saying when it came up with the subs, we were like, Rich and Lessie at the same time, really? But it might have come to light that she might have had a knock or something like that. But at the time, that wasn't apparent. So to have, I mean, that's a big move from Serena to pull those two at the same time. So do you reckon that was the right time now that, okay, if she is, if Rich was injured, then okay, a fair play, maybe it was a forced move. But do you reckon it was the right time for the change? Could Lessie have hung on a little bit more so it wasn't both of them at the same time? I, it's tough, isn't it? Cause apparently, according to the media, Rach had a knock. So if we go on that assumption, mm. Rach came off for that. I don't know. I mean, I would have wanted Chloe Kelly on that pitch um, because she's so hungry and she has been hungry all season and she's been a different animal and she's been a standout player for us and she will chase and chase and chase and she's got the legs to do 120 minutes. Um, so for me, I would, I don't know if I would have taken Leslie off then, but I would have probably took her off at about 60 minutes, but it depends if she was making an impact and she wasn't really making that much of an impact. But what I would have done is bring on Beth England, yeah. who plays deeper. And then with a view of her playing forward to Lauren Hemp and Chloe Kelly or Lauren James or whoever she picks. Mm. And then playing provider because Beth can play sort of between midfield and attack. She can play quite deep, which is what Leslie was doing, and is possibly a bit more effective. But also, she's so hungry to prove herself, she can get up there and, you know, poach his goal. So, yes, that's what I probably would have done. But I'm not Serena, and in <laughs> Serena, we trust. Um, really um, and she's strong as well, isn't she? We were saying before, you know, who could run into a brick wall for a header and not feel it? And I think, you know, she'd definitely be up there with Millie and Mary and Lucy. And yeah. She, again, it's that strength and that attack and that physicality. Um, it just it just didn't click, did it? There was something not there. Um, so we talked about LJ coming on. She had a chance to redeem herself uh, to the nation, to the world. I personally felt that she, we know she's not one for showing that much emotion anyway, but I thought she would have played with a bit more hunger or a bit more something considering she's just had a two match ban and it's a World Cup final. Like, I just thought there'd be something more. Um, what what did you think of her performance? She's very calm, cool and collected and she's not one for emotion, is she? So I think that was just her coolness mm-hmm. coming across, but that can be taken the wrong way. Um, but I, I would have thought she would have been hungry for it. And when she got it, she would have done more with it and made the right decisions. Um, she wasn't making the right decisions. And like that shot that she had on goal, it was just the right height for the keeper. If, you know, had she gone around the keeper, had she cut in, you know, 
it could have been a different story. But I think for someone with her caliber, she she didn't perform to the best of her ability. And whether that was a confidence knock or pressure or what, because she's still young, I don't know. But she wasn't that great and she got easily found out. And the problem she's got is the Spanish don't let you have time on the ball. And what I noticed on the, yeah. in the game was when the Spanish had the ball, we backed off. And when we tackled them, they, they yeah. were straight on the floor rolling round. Um, whereas when we contested them and went toe to toe with them, like Lucy did, take it straight off their feet and run off with it. And that was what we failed to do. Yeah. If we'd have been hungry and been more like Colombia and been more physical, then it would have been a lot harder for them. And not to play dirty, not to play against the rules, but if you're going in for a block tackle, you shouldn't end up on the floor, your opponent shouldn't end up on the floor. So if we'd have done that with them, rather than jumping in two-footed and everything else, then ultimately yeah. we could have had more possession because they weren't, they could have been a lot easier dispossessed and we made them look better than what they were. I mean, they, were, they are very good and I'm not going to take anything away from that, but we made them look better because we weren't doing that. And when we did, a lot changed. And what we needed was players to come off the bench and do exactly that. And Lauren James isn't that player. Lauren James is a player to yeah. play like them. So that's that's where we fell down, I think. Yeah, and just disrupting their rhythm and just like getting in their heads a bit more. That's that's what we needed to do, like you said. And just they they just they just didn't or couldn't. Um, like you said, tied legs, long tournament. And speaking of that would you have made any other changes because like we said about us making them look better or them making us look bad to a certain extent they made kira not look great they made her look like she was having a bad game didn't she but she wasn't they just they knew her because she plays with so many of the players so they would have said right kira's like this she's going to try and do that um which then leads us to a couple of maybe dodgy positioning errors for Kira that led to that penalty. Now, we said at the time, well, when it actually was playing out, I missed it completely. I saw there was maybe a little deflection, but I thought it was maybe like elbow, shoulder, like that kind of thing, or maybe even a thigh, because it just seemed to, it didn't even take a deflection. And what I was going to ask you as well, because you know this more than me, even though it there was a little deflection, but Caldente still had it at her feet and still had a shot. Like it didn't impact that. So surely should it have still classed as a penalty handball? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 if you go black and white, it touched a hand. The question where it's not black and white is, was it a deliberate attempt to touch the ball? Or was it her trying to move her body in an unnatural way um, and did it did that unnatural move mean that it looked like she touched the ball and it's whether there was the intent there so to me it was a little bit on the soft side however I've seen them given for that before and if it was on any other part of the pitch it would have been given so I thought it was a bit, bit harsh but these things are given and we just have to suck it up and karma proved itself because mary saved it so that was is when 
the ref went to the monitor and we were like, oh, come on. And you can just see it, it just taps her fingers, doesn't it? And like you said, there was no intent there. It was just, it's such close range. It's just got her. And because she took so long, we said it was a bit like jury service. If it's not a clear cut decision, yes or no, should should it be given? So we said yes, because it did touch the hand, you know, if we're being very black and white about it. Um, and it came up with, I thought it was really good, like the graphics on the screen, didn't it, of where Homoso usually puts her shots. And so Mary's clearly studied that and she knows that. And she made a phenomenal decision because she went for it. Like if she'd put it in the other corner, like then obviously it would have been a great penalty, but doing your homework as a goalkeeper pays off um, because she made the correct choice. And again, I was in the pub, um, and this was on the video that I took, the reaction to that save just again showed how much people were invested in this match because everyone just on their feet, screaming, cheering, everything. And Mary Earps, just player of the tournament um, for England. Well, one off. We've got our three, haven't we? We'll talk about them in a bit. But yeah, the fact that Mary Earps is, well, she is, she's the best in the world. And she kept us in that game didn't she for such a long time um i think without some of her saves it could have easily been three nil four nil um because again i was watching the highlights back and just the position she gets herself into to save it are just unbelievable aren't they um anything more to add about our number one um nothing apart from i i agree with mary with the shirt sales and this has been a tournament for the goalkeepers to really shine. And this was a platform to promote goalkeepers um, in, at grassroots level. And I think it's a shame that they never had the shirts for the players because it's like you're not worthy enough. Um, but also, um, Nike have agreed to release some team shirts. But not all limited them, number limited yep. number and only some of them and i'm like only the so, ones yeah you know what what message does that say to the, the other rest of the teams that are sponsored by nike you know are you not good enough because i'm sure there's more than five teams sponsored by nike in that world cup it's hard isn't it because it's a it's a small win it's like right you've listened to us there's a demand but like you said, it's it's not everyone. Like even if they said, right, if you want one, put your order in and we'll just make to yeah. order, which at smallest scale, I know you can do because I've worked with um, workshops and companies that, you know, make to order all the time. But I don't know how they work at Nike, whether that's possible, whether they'd actually think it was worth it. But yeah, it's they've chosen the ones that they think they're going to get the sales for. So again, it's sales motivated which as a business i understand you've kind of got to be but yeah it's not it's not fair is it it's still not equal across the board so small wins but still a long way to go but it shows that people are fighting for it which i think um is brilliant um and we've got a voice and we will be heard and um, we're not just going to sit and take it are we and We'll talk about some of the petitions and some other big moments within the game um, near the end. So Mary's save was probably the best moment of the match. Yeah. I can agree on that. Um, Want to talk a bit about uh, the Spanish goalie, Catacol. Now, she is with Barcelona. 
I'm sure she's been out with an injury because I remember them doing lots on their social media about her return and back into the team and her rehab and things like that. Now she's, she was captain at the under twenties, I believe. And I think she's won it with them under 17s and 20s. Definitely. I don't know about the other age groups. So she's always been a prominent member, but as she's been out, uh, Misa Rodriguez has come in who plays for Real Madrid, um, who is another phenomenal goalkeeper. And Kata Cole actually got her first senior international caps in this tournament. Yeah. So the fact that she's come in, I think it was a Switzerland game. She got her first minute. She came on and she then seemed to be their starting goalie and she's took it up. So do you think that makes it a bit more impressive that this is her first real international appearance as a senior level? Yeah, but with the amount of goals they were scoring and the amount of possession they've had, she hasn't really been challenged. And when you look at the keepers that have been challenged, um, like Sweden, uh, England, and all the other teams that have had shots come their way, um, it's a bit less impressive because she's spent a lot of the games twiddling the thumbs and deciding what she wants as pre-match, post-match dinner. Um, we'll for that as an example, if you noticed. But, um, yeah, yeah. But, um, or doing a shopping list or yeah. whatever. So, um, it, yeah, but, but you still have to have concentration in the game to be in the game. So she hasn't been a standout performer for me, like some of the other goalkeepers have. And I think if she'd had a tournament like them, then I'd be absolutely 100% singing a praise. But she's still very young and she's still got tournaments to grow into. So I look forward to seeing her playing Champions League. Well, she's got to fight it out with uh, Sandra Panos of Barcelona, um, who famously, she was one of the 15 mm-hmm. and she did not get the call back up because some of them came back, didn't they? Um, yeah. After first saying that they wouldn't, but yeah, Panos was not selected. So, so yeah, um, she'll have to fight Panos for her position, which I think she's had a couple of minutes when they uh, tried to rotate, but I think Panos is firmly firmly the favourites uh, at Barca because uh, she is, again, another brilliant goalkeeper yes, that we can't stop talking about. Now, I've just seen uh, one of the graphics I was trying to look for earlier. The most saves of the tournament, um, Catacol isn't even in the top 10, is Daniela Solera from Costa Rica. Yeah, that was the graphic that I was thinking of. Yeah, with 22 saves. Uh, Musevic yeah. uh, from Sweden with 21. And then it goes down, Olivia McDaniel, Mackenzie Arnold, Rex Spencer. It just shows you, like Mary Earps, um, 15 saves, and she got the Golden Glove. Um, so, yeah, it shows you that actually, yes, the Golden Glove, obviously clean sheets, but the more saves, that that's pretty impressive as well, that you've been able to be that consistent. What I don't like about the Golden Glove. It's all about clean sheets and stuff like that. And I'm like, actually... You can have loads of clean sheets and do absolutely nothing because your team's winning everything. Mm. That doesn't mean anything because performance-wise, what have you actually done? Whereas when you've got a player that's got the most saves, like that to me, performance-wise, is better. Like, yes, okay, clean sheets are great, but it's not the be-all and end-all. And being able to make all those saves and be consistent, that's what I look at when I look at performance rather than how many clean sheets you've got. Because how many clean sheets you've got depends on how good your defence is rather than how good you are as a player usually not all the time but most of the time so not to burst mary's bubble but it's great to see her get the glove um 
she did us proud. She was one of the standout goalkeepers of the tournament. So I'm really pleased for her that she's got accolades. Um, and just hope that this will mean that Man United will treat her a bit better and look after her and keep hold of her. But we'll find that out over the summer, won't we? Yeah, because the so we're recording this on what day is it? Friday. Um, and I think news broke, was it today or yesterday? Um, yeah. That there had been a world record bid uh, in for Mary Earps, allegedly from a Champions League club. Clearly, people have seen her worth and want to give her what she's worth. Um, so, yeah, so we hope, Man United, that you step up, you keep her in the WSL because obviously we want to keep her here, um, don't we? But yeah. she is Champions League worthy. So, if she did go, we'd be right behind her. Um, and yeah, it's just again, it's the best decision for the player, isn't it? Because she's got she's got Champions League with United, but I think if she was to go to an established mm. Champions League team that's pushing, like Wolfsburg, like Leon, that's really pushing. Mm. Bear in mind, she speaks yeah. fluent German because she's lived there and played there. So yeah, you know, it wouldn't be a bad thing for her, I think, if she she went. But obviously, I want to see her, and a fan base want to see her play here. But if she goes, then. It's got to be what's best for her, and we applaud that. We then get into the nitty gritty, the drama of it, and the Alex Greenwood injury to the head and the controversy about Paraluelo. Now, Paraluelo got her first yellow card for this, um, officially her only yellow of the game, but we'll talk about that second one in a bit. Um, now, the went in for the challenge paraluelo's knee came up and smacks alex in the side of the head so alex goes down bleeding everywhere and she just wanted to get back up yeah didn't she absolutely solid is our alex uh change of top change of shorts um i love that everyone was round her helping out lucy cleaning the blood from down her hands and everything trying to get her you know ready and back you know, even running off the pitch to change her shorts, running back on. She was just dedicated to helping her team win. Then we had some of the Spanish players get a little knock on the ankle and they were rolling around like they'd been injured in a war or something. So does that kind of show the fight that we did have, even if it didn't maybe come across in the way we played? Yeah, and I think it also reflects the style of play because when we watch international football, that is very much what the Spanish teams do. But I think the refing was a bit poor around that because it's a head injury and a head injury you should automatically start play. Yeah. So why did she allow play to carry on knowing there was a clear head injury? It's not like a clash of heads and you can't see anything was a clear injury above her eye it's a head injury she should have stopped the play and not try to push it on and, and hurry Alex up because it's you know it's a dangerous thing so yeah. I think that that was a card um should have been a card um same as uh kicking the ball away so the, the high knee was a card it was then what you were just talking about when she then kicked the ball away on purpose that should have been the yellow, but wasn't. So are we in agreement that that was a yellow? Yeah. Yep. So if that was any yellow, it would have got changed to a red. And if Paraluelo got sent off, would that have given England a better chance without her? I think so, yeah. I would have I would have bought Kira off, put Katie Zellum on, because I don't know about Katie Zellum. And Katie, we were talking about this, weren't Katie we? Zellum yeah. Can really hold that midfield. Tooney can play Kira's role of being creative and putting the balls through. 
and then have someone like Chloe Hempo, Lauren James, Beth England on there to run onto it and really push them back and try and get something out of the game and, and take it to extra time. So I think that would have changed the game. Same as Hempo's goal, uh, shot that hit the, the crossbar. If that had gone in, it would have been a, a game changer. And I think that yellow two yellow cards would have been a game changer as well. Um, even if we didn't get a goal back, it would have changed the possession and the intensity of the the game. It would have really roared England on to um, really push for something. So that's my opinion anyway. Yeah, because Prowlowell are obviously brilliant player. She got the uh, Young Player of the Tournament Award, I believe. Yeah. And, you know, she is, she is always a goal threat. So if she was removed, then, yeah, it would have been... I think it would have changed it and maybe um Hempel's second goal um attempt on goal sorry not second goal um that just went wide as well I think I don't know if it would rattle them a little bit maybe 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 some of those would have got in and could have had more opportunities now the last opportunity that would have just I think broke all of our hearts if it if it had gone it was the corner right in the what 113th minute or something yeah. And if they'd done a Katie McCabe and got it straight in from that corner, that would have been 1-1 in the dying moments. Um, Spain were already celebrating on the sidelines, weren't they? So yeah. imagine if that had gone in and just watching their fists be like, oh, <laughs> we haven't won. Right, okay. Um, but on the flip side, do you think we would have had it in us to go to extra time? judging by they'd put everything out on that pitch and how shattered they all look. I, I don't think we would have made it. I think we would have capitulated because we were just, everything was out there. However, that said, when you play in that type of game, with that type of pressure, you find energy. Yeah, you find it. And I think if it had gone to penalties, we would have been struggling, but I think we would have found enough energy to get through the first... 15 20 minutes and then the last 10 would have been a, a drag and it would have been can we hold out yeah because then it would be a question of further subs as well wouldn't it like right yeah. can we bring on who's going to make that impact and that change because you've got people like jordan who would have given it everything i think if whoever serena might have brought off the bench would have just completely committed um and just gone for it brought Lothar on to go at the back big risk and put Millie up front now we've done that before and I don't recommend doing it but in the dying minutes of the game yeah yeah and and Lotta would having played lots of minutes for Arsenal this season mm. been a good person to put there so there's there's lots of things you could do and you know even putting Beth England there like at the back you know you, you people that, you, that are quite versatile and obviously I don't condone Beth playing as a defender because she's not a defender but she's got enough there to you know put her there and put Millie up front for a a, a corner or something Beth would be better with the corner but mm. um probably a bad example to use but yeah there's a couple of players we've got that are very versatile and could yeah. just in times of desperation in times of need be like right go there do your job this is your role now um we need you yeah, so I think if it had gone to extra time, I think we might have seen seen some surprises. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, we'll just have to keep that, keep that as a dream, won't we? Um, because they often say kind of the most disappointed people are the ones in second place. And I think because we had the belief and the hope and even right to the last minute, we all thought, oh, they're going to get it from somewhere. Yeah. And that's not our usual reaction to an England team getting, um, getting there. But as we said, with the women's team, it is. We have that hope, we have that faith. And I think you could just see it on all their faces. Like it was heartbreaking. Lucy's face broke me. Um, yeah. And, you know, everyone else in the, in the place because you could just see how much it meant. And just for all of them, like it was that confliction of we've got silver, we've got second in a World Cup final, we've made history, but we didn't come here for the silver, we came for the gold. Um, so it's putting it all into perspective but it's really hard in the moment, isn't it, to be able to to really digest. It's a bit of her when you've given everything and you just fall short and it's not even like they got hammered 7-0 no. where it would be clear and obvious where you weren't good enough. You know, one simple mistake, error, mm. has cost you and it, it's not the only mistake they made, so it's not a dig at Lucy. No. But, you know, it's just something that ultimately you're going to struggle with and... It's such a shame for them because they've worked so hard. But going forward, you know, next tournament we'll have Beth Mee back. Not sure about Fran with her health, so it will depend on her health. We'll have Leah back. Yeah. So the big names will be back and we can go for it. And hopefully someone will ditch America out of the tournament yet again. And um, and be a chance for another fresh name on the cup. Yeah, definitely. It was interesting. Um, Megan Rapino did an article um, and some of the bits from it were we were told we were too cocky um, and people didn't want us to win. But then this tournament, we were told we weren't cocky enough and then it was our fault we didn't win. So what what can we do? How can we act? And it's interesting because the media obviously does play a big part, doesn't it? But I think it's also the team spirit and the team belief. And I think because the lionesses have always been really humble and really quietly confident and just so genuine on the pitch kind of we've never thought for one minute oh they're really cocky now they've won it i think we might have thought it once just before australia when we're on that unbeaten run and they seem to get a bit sloppy and a bit bit relaxed yeah. weren't they a bit too much but i think they've they've learned from that and they've definitely grown from that and I think all this can do now is fuel it. Like um, when Beth Mead said when she didn't get chosen for the Olympics and she was angry and she was like, right, okay, revenge to her. And I think that's what England are going to do now. They're going to be like, right, we deserve that gold. So let's let's show it, let's prove it. Um, so I just think the next few internationals are going to be, even though the next couple of friendlies, what do you think? Do you think they're going to really go for it? Yeah, I mean, they've got Scotland, haven't they? Um, we've seen how good... Yep. Scotland and Belgium, I, I believe, coming up next. Well, we saw how good um, Scotland were when they played uh, Republic of Ireland. Mm -hmm. And we've also seen how good Scotland were when they played Ireland, Ireland, um, to qualify for the World Cup. And they pushed them every single minute. And we saw how good Ireland were in the World Cup. And they were lucky to not get out of the group. So I think... It's going to be a good, good challenge, um, but I, I'm confident for that for both games that we can do it. But I think it's going to be 
challenging us in a way that we wouldn't expect um and we're either gonna struggle or we're gonna do really really well but the quality of wsl players that are scottish mm-hmm. is really high so it, and there's a lot of new blood coming through yeah. so it'd be good to see scotland with a view to the next euros the view to the next world cup that they're eligible for um for them being able to qualify yeah brilliant and i think i'm going to those two matches as well if my memory serves so yeah so it'll be really interesting to see hopefully they don't underestimate either of them because we have beat belgium um, in the arnold clark cup not too long ago um so hopefully we can do it again and i think scotland are going to give us a proper um, a proper fight because um, it's in the northeast at the stadium of light um so i'm going home taking me dad um and some friends as well which would be really lovely we are incredibly proud of our team um and of our management yes in the past their fair we've questioned a couple of their decisions but there's been nothing standout horrendous and there's one more thing we just wanted to touch on before this episode comes to a close and it's about the Rubiales scandal. When the Spanish team went up to collect their medals, I don't know about you, because I don't think we were texting at this point, but I thought, he's a bit friendly. And everyone said, well, you know, Spanish, there's a lot of emotion, like there's a lot of kissing, there's a lot of whatever. No, (laughs) not like that. You, if you know someone, then it's a peck on the cheek. Maybe it's one, maybe it's two, depending on, you know, but that was pretty much everyone and it was a kiss and a hug wasn't yeah. it and then he gets to jenny hermoso Poor jenny. and he proper grabs a face doesn't he yeah. and goes in for a kiss and it's not even a quick peck it's he lingers but yeah he really goes for it and as women just in general we've probably all known a man be too over friendly and will just laugh it off and not see an issue with it. And the issue is that they don't see an issue with it. That's one of the key things. But the fact that he did it to everyone and he seemed very familiar with the whole team. And we know from previous experience, he's best mates with um, Vilda, which again, doesn't put him in the best light. And it kind of got to a point where it was, well, why Hermoso? Why just her? Because that's she's been singled out there, and she kind of looked a bit. Obviously, we were just looking from the back, but her body language—it was kind of a bit shocked, wasn't it? It was a bit right. Just carry on. She just froze, didn't she? She froze, and again, it was a thing of don't make a scene because this isn't the moment to do that. So we, again, as women, we can understand that kind of process of don't react, don't do anything, just continue. This is this moment. But we were all kind of questioning it, weren't we? And then it started doing the rounds on social media. What's Rubiales doing? What is this? You should never touch someone without their consent. And it was in a live interview. Hermosa was asked, how did she feel? And she said, I didn't like it. But then a statement came out, didn't it? (laughs) And we said straight away, that is not her. Yeah, we said that, didn't we? I mean, you sent it me and I just replied straight away. That That is not written by her. That clearly isn't written by her. You can tell it's not written by her. You can tell that that's either a PR statement written by a PR person or 
it's written by him. It's one of the two because it clearly isn't her because she wouldn't write like that after what has gone on. As a woman, I know that that's not what you would write. Even if you consented to it, that's not how you would respond. It was a very blinkered view, shall we say, an approach to take. And it just shows like there's been a big outcry. Um, we were saying this before we came on onto the podcast. This World Cup has been about the women's game. It's a platform for the women's game. Yet what's happened? You know, the women have done fantastic. They've achieved fantastic, phenomenal sporting achievements. The support, the grassroots support for every single team has been amazing. It's brought out the best in a lot of places and brought hope to people that haven't previously had hope. It's brought back the love of football from the commercialised world that is the men's game that's all very money-orientated and not very driven whereas with the women's game it's all very personal and we've seen Serena tell the England players you need to be in touch with your fans um, and this has just been overshadowed by actions of and this isn't a rant um, it's just been overshadowed by actions of men and inappropriate behavior by men or male organizations so we've had um, it come to light during the World Cup about checking um genitalia of of players to allow them to play for the national team like how degrading is that we've got teams that are having to do go fund me when their men are given first class business class airplanes wherever they want yet they're struggling for the basics mm -hmm. and then you've got this and it's like what what are you playing at and if you look at it in a very black and white way it's almost like the women have tried to do something good for themselves in a world that is very male dominant or is structured in a way that is male dominant rather than allow the women to be successful the men have grabbed the spotlight through inappropriate conduct and that inappropriate conduct has tarnished the whole legacy of this world cup um which means that Although England didn't win, England are winning because what's brought to light is the um, treatment of the Spanish players and the 15 and brought that to light and given it a platform to show on the world stage that this behaviour isn't right and it, it isn't right, for absolutely abhorrent um, and has allowed it to be put in a public sphere so much that it cannot go away it cannot be brushed under the carpet and if it is there'll be a massive public outcry so although England didn't win everything they stand for they have won in Spain winning yeah. so it's not a rant um but it's just it's just such a shame that that's what this World Cup's come to and that's how it will be remembered rather than Spain were the first team to win the you know first World Cup and first name other than America and some of the others on 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 that World Cup. It, it it's just ruined the whole legacy, which is a shame for Australia and New Zealand because they hosted a, a beautiful mm -hmm. World Cup with lots of cultural experiences and 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 bridge barriers and cultural barriers and everything. But it's such such a shame. But yeah, I'll get off my soapbox anyway. So. <laughs> no, it's it's good that 
exactly it because we talked about even before the game some people didn't want spain to win because of the management because they didn't want that institution to be rewarded for the win so already even though we know the players are playing for themselves because it's a world cup they're playing for their country they're not playing for him they're not playing for the president of um the spanish federation but because of just the hierarchy of that with their success they're going to get rewarded um those men and even when they were on the podium, everyone was kind of looking at, oh, well, Vilda's there and he's there. Why is he on the podium? Why is he celebrating with them? And then it emerged, didn't it, all of this other footage of he grabbed his crotch when the goal went in, when they won. And, you know, that's not a, a normal response anyway. Like, I'm not a man, but I think even if I was, I think I would know that that's inappropriate in public. But there was also um, another bit of footage that went round um, of in the dressing rooms that he was saying, I'll pay if everyone's go to Ibiza and celebrate and me and Jenny are going to get married. And then it starts to become, well, is he singling her out? Is he targeting her over the other players? And, you know, this abuse of power, which it is because he knew full well she couldn't do anything in that moment. She was stuck and he knew that. Um, he's not an idiot. He's not stupid. And he's then come out today saying, well, they're telling me I should resign because of a peck. Um, I'm not going to resign over it. I'm not going to do it. And in this room full of people, there are people clapping him. It was a bit of a nervous clap, wasn't it? Because I sent, sent you the video. Yeah. But the one that was clapping the hardest was Vilda. And it's if that's not corruption to its core, that those two were sticking by each other. Um, there was also um, something I read, again, I'm not quite sure of the source, but apparently he was saying, he was begging Hermoso. He was like, oh, don't do this, I've got daughters. You know, this will ruin us. And it's like, no, 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 your your actions were there. You know, even if Jenny hadn't said anything. They were hound he hounded um, their, her family three members of her family to coerce her to sign a statement but she refused because it wasn't true and he's saying it's defamation of character and all this that and the other well sorry but you've done it you know clear as day like what yeah what what can't you accept that it's not appropriate and also you have children like you should know that you wouldn't want your daughter to be treated like that by another man it comes to something when you've got the um iglesias from the men's team has turned around and said, I'm not going to play for the men's Spanish team anymore until this changes because this is inappropriate. I want to play for my country and my country doesn't represent what I, re I represent and I'm not happy. And when you've got to play for the men's team to turn around going, I'm not doing it either. And, you know, he's only got a few caps and this could, you know, be the end of his international career, but he's willing to put it on the line for the women. Like, how much more do people need to realise? And he won't be the only one, there mm. will be others. But the thing that interests me was the media have gone on about them pair, but they haven't said anything about Iglesias. And I found that in the Arab news, mm. of all places, because I heard it on the BBC and I was like, 
I didn't catch the name and I was like, I can't remember that because my memory doesn't work properly. So I was like, I'll Google it. And I tried Googling and it took me about 10 searches to find it. Begs the question, well, if that's what you do in public and think is okay, what are you doing behind closed doors? Yeah. Like you don't want people to see. And the fact that people have that much power, we've seen it with Trump, we've seen it throughout society, even in our day-to-day lives, we've seen men exactly like that. And they need to know it's not okay and there are consequences for it and yeah you can lose your job and i hope you do um until you learn how to behave like the best thing for him to have done was to apologize recognize his actions offer to i don't know pay compensation to a, a charity that helps with this kind of thing offer to go on a course about when like you know just the appropriate steps resign if i haven't already said that but he hasn't he's gone well that shouldn't get sacked and there's just no recognition of what he's done and so it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out because we've said um thief pro released a statement so they've come out in support and actually just as we were talking there's a little video and it's all of the spanish players including paredes Bateas um misa redondo saying you know we're with you this isn't acceptable david de Gea as well he's on there so everyone now luckily is coming out in support as they should um aitana kata everyone so i'm so glad that they're coming out in support but this is 2023 this shouldn't be happening but yeah i think if we all just support the players that this is happening to um not just in the spanish team kind of across the board because there's been other reports hasn't there yeah. um about sexual harassment they need to make an example of him and say well actually this isn't okay in the women's game it isn't okay in any game or any workplace any environment and as we watched a video from casey stoney earlier didn't we and she was like yeah. it's black and white it's an abuse of power he should never have got that familiar with the players how do you even get to that familiarity um and it's unacceptable and she even said if that was anyone in my team they'd be gone and so if casey stoney could just run the spanish football league that would be yeah that'd be great i love casey she's brilliant everything she stands for like it's all proper but it's like um was it last season or season before there was a a a coach that got involved with a player and it was it was consensual and they did it away from the they brought it yes another one and they they got themselves to hr i'm like right this is the situation yeah 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 and they were really transparent about it and it wasn't an abuse of power Mm. and they said like you know this has happened and it's not going to happen again or whatever and 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 they were honest and that player got sacked and it was consensual yeah the mistake they made was that they mixed were with their private life that was the only mistake and i'm sure that to the adults that are listening to this we've all been guilty or have friends that have been guilty of that you know that's how we have workplace romances that's how people meet you know and it's not malicious no and it's not an abuse of power but because in england it's deemed an abuse of power people have lost their jobs for a lot less and i think if if that manager forced himself on a player it would be a very different story but because a player turned around and was like no i instigated it mm. like and it wasn't even coerced like you're just starting to draw parallels and it's like it can't be one rule for one and one rule for the other it's got to be consistent because if it was 
a male manager and a female player rather than two female players, it would have been treated totally different. So we need to be doing something about this to protect the players. And if this is going on at this level, then what's going on at academy level and foundation level and, you know, the tournaments of the 16 and 18-year-olds and the 23s, mm. what are they exposed to? And that's the thing, and it's it's terrifying to think about it, to be honest. Um, so hopefully what this does is, yes, shine the spotlight on that corruption and hopefully every other team league federation they clamp down on the safeguard and they've got in place for their for their teams their staff their everyone who's under their umbrella and they really just make sure that safety comes first because that that's what we need if you're going to play your best football you need to feel happy and safe and protected um and that's the least they they should expect really when they, that's when they I'm we've got serena because that's what she does she she embraces that family environment i think that's why she's so successful because that's what she does yeah. she doesn't do fear and she doesn't do bullying she literally yeah. is very down to earth and family orientated and i think you know that just shows what type of leader she is and we're so lucky to have her and i hope that we keep up hold of her for a little bit longer yeah that's the difference isn't it she it's no coincidence she's done it in different tournaments with different countries. Um, it's not a fluke. It's it's because of her. Um, so the men's game are not having her. She's ours. Um, we're going to keep they her. Have Emma um, Hayes. Emma Hayes is ready for them. <laughs> However, I would love to see Emma Hayes in charge of a man's team. But on the other hand, the women's game is not a stepping stone to the men's. No, absolutely. As Emma Hayes rightly said, she's playing Champions League football. Why would she go in as League Two? But no, if you're gonna, if she ever wants to go to the men's game, I doubt she ever will. But if she does, then she needs to be in some of the top teams yeah. because she, she, she can do it. She's phenomenal. Um, so we will wrap that up there now. Not to end on a sour note. Um, let's look forward to the future because as the World Cup is over, that means domestic football is back. Uh, very, very excited. There have been some transfers going on in the background, but we're hoping. Because the window closes on the 14th of September, not too far away now, we're still going to see some more very good deals coming through. Now, if you have liked our coverage of the World Cup, thank you very much. So this is going to be our last one of season one. And we will be back soon to talk about the build-up to the WSL. And again, the Women's Championship starts this weekend as of recording. Um, London City, Lionesses versus Sunderland. Very interested in that game. Um, Rue's new team and Danielle Carter as well. I, I think they're going to have a good season, London City. Really do. Because Reading if you get so many people go, I can't see how they're going to bounce back because they'll just let so many go. And I don't think they're going to have the funding to invest in replacements of the same caliber so i think this season the championship is going to be open for anybody who wants it and because london have made so many good signings um danielle yeah. carter's you know she's still a very good player and rue had a fantastic long-term contract as well i think are they both two, two years? years and uh rue rue played a wicked world cup so i reckon as long as Rue doesn't get herself red carded every game, I think it's going to be great. And they've got Emma McCandy, who was fantastic at Arsenal. I really wanted her at Villa a couple of years, well, when she left Arsenal. 
already uh, we've been talking about getting our tickets because um, we mainly support Aston Villa women, don't we? Um, but yeah, but we will be talking about the WSL, the Championship, uh, La Liga as well. I follow quite closely. So we'll be talking about women's football in general in our upcoming podcast. So this is it for our World Cup coverage. Thank you all for joining us. We've had a great time, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, and we'll be back with more domestic football um, very, very soon. So thank you very much. And until next time, goodbye.